I don't know, dude. I've learned a lot about you today. You're <laughs> basically an Indian uncle. It's been reformed. That's what I'm learning. And so maybe some of your real self is just leaking out onto this podcast. <laughs> parents got two puppies and they're both like oh, 70 yeah. and 80 years old they're so cute though oh my gosh they're so cute yeah those puppies yeah. who can they're resist so cute. puppies i feel like if you resist puppies you're just like dead inside there's something, there's something wrong. wrong with you but they have so much energy and my dad is retired so, so he's at home love you dad if you're mm -hmm. listening also sorry in advance but uh <laughs> the real problem is is that it's all fun and games now until he has to like bend over, pick up poop, or he can't remember their names. Like they're still deciding on names. They're like picking Indian dessert names, Ladu and Lussie. <laughs> were there multiple? Ever... I knew about Ladu and Lussie. You told me about Ladu and Lussie, but what were the yes. other names that were kicking around? Oh, there are so many. There's Simba and Nala, <laughs> Machu and Pichu, which I, I do think is cute. Yeah, oh, but. Good. Yeah, but you know, it's bordering on getting very Indian, like Sandeep and Kapreeth and <laughs> Shuggin and Sunny. All of those, all of those are perfect. They're all perfect. I hope they all happen. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I think it's a great that's a great way to roll into the show. Okay. All right. Hey everybody, and welcome to Product Happy Hour, where you can go to happy hour with your favorite product people. That's us in your sweatpants. Hi. We are product folks here to share what we've learned often the hard way over great drinks. Why happy hour? Why not? It's the best way to get the inside scoop from grizzled vets with the scars to prove it. With me, as always, is Ira Johal. Hey, Ira. Hello. Yes, we are here to give you the unfiltered version of what really goes down in product managers' day of their life. And there's no BS. There's no fluff here. And uh, I do have my cocktail and I'm ready to go. Awesome. All right, here we go. So today we're covering the often asked question, what the F is product management? <laughs> Lots of layers to this topic and I'm excited to get into it. But first, day in the life of a product manager here, Ira, how is your day? Um, today was a great day. If you're in the tech world, you know that we're a couple weeks into the third quarter. And that means the ever so heinous H2 planning is over. And now we're like designing and building and ruthlessly experimenting, basically doing all the things that we've spent like four weeks plus discussing. And, you know, naturally it's time to mull over those things with a cocktail. Couldn't agree more. Perfect segue into our next segment. We're trying out segments this time, people. It's raining segments today. First one <laughs> is the best one. What's that drink, Ira? What drink you got there? Okay, okay. I did be very adult this time again and get a cute glass. For those of you who are watching on the video ca cast, it is a cranberry mule. Oh, and uh, yeah, I think I did a little bit better than last time. Not a whole, not a whole, not a whole lot. <laughs> Last time there was five shots. I so. know. This, I me <laughs> this time I measured. I measured. And okay, I used yeah, a shot sure. glass instead of the cooking cup. And, okay, what is in this? This is has the base of a mule plus some gin and cranberry. So there's ginger beer, lime. Uh, oh, also, fun note, 
Ginger beer is carbonated, therefore you should not put it in a shaker because it will explode <laughs> right before you begin recording your podcast. I still, I still can't believe you did that. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know that fizzy things fizz, but yeah. you know, when you get this kind of thing in your hand, like you're like, the first thing you want to do with a cocktail shaker is like, now there's cranberry on my ceiling. But anyway, <laughs> I see you have a pint of something <laughs> delicious. Yeah. What is it? I sure do. Today's happy hour uh, is uh, I've got a Carbach Blonde from Houston again, uh, continuing the Houston streak in my sick product happy hour uh, beer mug that my wife got me. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It tastes great. And uh, we got some sick drinks, y'all. So as I mentioned, today it's rainy segments. We have a new one for y'all today. It's called Cool Product Things, and it's where we talk about a cool product thing we saw that represents a key product concept. Uh, so awesome. So awesome. I want to give this a go, so tell me what it is. What is this cool thing? All right. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Peloton. Um, and just background, Peloton really kind of kept me sane during the <laughs> pandemic. Every day, I was pretty much on that bike just cycling away whatever doom was happening outside pretty much. <laughs> and, uh, but honestly, lately I've been falling off the wagon of using Peloton. I've actually, what I've been doing is I still use the bike or like work out in, in my, in my little makeshift gym in my garage, but I've been tuning in more to like watch TV or a podcast while I'm working out. Um, uh, but man, I started seeing, Oh, you, you've been doing that too. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Well, I was switching between content. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but man, I started seeing all this stuff on Instagram about Lizzo showing up in a Peloton class. Did you see that? No. Were you ad targeted for yeah. Lizzo ads? I'm obsessed. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I follow a lot of people from Peloton on Instagram, a okay. lot of the instructors that I ride with. And uh, it was so interesting. I always thought it was a missed opportunity for Peloton to not have celebs show up in the celeb rides. Like they had right. a Lizzo ride in 2019. They've had other celebrities, but, you know, she wasn't there, but they finally did it. And I thought it was such a fascinating class. You know, her album or her new album dropped the same day and the instructors okay. were just promoting the crap out of it. And it seemed like there were several strategic things at play. You know, I'm not the only one that's kind of been checking out of, of Peloton over the last year or two. You know, they kind of hit, got hit hard by the pandemic. They know people are using them less. And this was a great way to get viewership up. You know, there's a lot of cross promotion. Number two, it, they use an engaged audience mm -hmm. to get writers on or back on Peloton. And uh, Lizzo got a lot of streams for her new album. So it was kind of like a win-win. Oh, yes. And, and finally, this seems like a really repeatable model. Like imagine a Pearl Jam ride with Eddie Vedder riding there with everybody or like so cool. a Foo Fighters ride with David Grohl or a Diplo ride. Can you imagine how crazy that oh would be? Oh my gosh. That'd be memorable. Wouldn't, yeah. Wouldn't you want to keep your subscription doing those types of rides? That would be I mean, insane. it's like TV. It's like all the people you like and listen to. I would totally, I mean, this is a very good strategy is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's basically a replacement for the things that I was basically replacing Peloton classes with. And it's a great way to keep me as a, keep me as a subscriber. So I thought that was just such a cool product thing. That just like the second really was. Yeah, there you go. So let us know in the comments or on social if you like that. It'll be Ira's turn next week. Uh, so I'm excited to see yeah. excited to see what you come up with for yes. the next time. Yes. Okay. All right. So I am betting it will take me only one beer. 
one to break down today's topic. Uh, what do you think? I believe in you. I believe in you. Let's roll. All right. You know, when I was watching, when I was doing the ride, I was like, okay, like, this is a great, like I thought it might be like a really good cross promotional opportunity. You get yeah. exposure, you get yeah. to, you know, uh, kind of ride with a new audience. It's like, it's like win-win dude. Yeah. We brilliant. should totally do this. I so wonder how much it the costs. Fact they did it. I was like, I don't know. And I wonder if like they, they, you know, she got some promotion out of it. So I don't even know. Did it really cost them very much? Cause Maybe. it's like, they've got this very large dedicated viewership. Um, yeah. maybe it didn't. So yeah. I don't know. We'll never know. Or maybe we will. Lizzo, give us a call. Lizzo, what is up? <laughs> Did you just go That's tradesies, right. halvesies, you know, album drop, you ride, you wanted a free workout? We'll never get that phone call. Okay, no. let's talk. Uh, let's talk more about uh, what the F is product management. What is it? Um, yeah, yeah, what is it? Better. Oh, my God. It's a frequently asked question among at least my family and friends, and sometimes even people in my place of work, like for example, Ajay, customer support and backend engineering and even sales have asked me like, so what is it that you do? Um, and, and this is because they're like either used to, like sales is used to working with product marketing managers. So they handle kind of like the front lines um, and backend engineering is like user problem, like. I don't care about a user problem. I am the user and I'm solving it for myself. So yeah. Ajay, why don't you tell us who needs to hear this pod? All right. I think you can benefit from this episode. And I think you would agree Ira, that you could benefit from this episode. If you are thinking about moving into product management, maybe it's something that you've considered as a career move. You're new to product management and you're wondering what the F your job is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Or you're in other parts of the org trying to figure out how product managers fit into the larger picture or could support you. This tends to be a pretty common audience at happy hours. So uh, yeah. we're glad you're here and uh, we're happy to talk more, talk more about what product management is. Awesome. All right. Let's hop right into the segment. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So. I want to hear your 15 second elevator pitch on what you think product management is and do not get it wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, here's my unfiltered elevator pitch. Well, well, before we do that, I'm going to start with just dismissing the cliches. Okay. Here's what product management is not. Um, you're not the CEO of your product. I, I hate to break it to you, but <laughs> the CEO is the CEO. <laughs> yeah, nice. And, you know, I've heard this one actually fairly regularly, and I think part of the fallacy with it is that it makes it seem like you are in charge of establishing the mission, vision, everything that kind of feeds into what your product is about. And you, that's not really what, like, you're doing. So right. let's just kind of get that out of the way. Yeah. And you see that so often. You're the CEO. Yeah. Like, no, you're not. And I think it actually it actually kind of stresses product managers out. They think they have to do everything, and it's like, well, that's not really what what's happening here. Right. Um, okay, so you're not Steve Jobs either. Oh, <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Steve Jobs was Steve Jobs, <laughs> and 
And actually, what's interesting is that what people often emulate about Steve Jobs is not what made Steve Jobs Steve Jobs. People emulate that Steve Jobs was an asshole sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the things that were great about Steve Jobs is that he was highly attuned with his customers and really paid attention to how people were experiencing things. You know, famously used to hide in the bushes outside of an Apple store and watch people, you know, shop in the Apple store and and use the product. So, you know, but you're not Steve Jobs. All right. So I should stop wearing this turtleneck is what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) The the turtleneck is not what, I mean, he wore it, but that's not what made Steve Jobs Steve Jobs. Um, You're not a project or program manager. And Ira, how are product managers different from project managers or or program managers? What I've heard is that, um, and I've heard this from uh, other places, but it really resonated with me. PMs are responsible for what and why, and project managers or program managers are worried about when and how. Does that resonate with you? Yes, that is actually a really good shortcut. And I think, again, like, this is why I love doing this podcast is because we get right to the point. Like there's so much confusion about project, program, product. Um, and when it comes down to it, it's exactly what you said. And the fact that product managers have metrics that they're responsible for and the method by which they achieve that is totally up to them. But program and project management is a skill that you need to be a good product manager their focus can, is generally timeline and budget management, getting to completion and making sure that everyone's reacting well to what's going on. So th- that's kind of like the key difference. Gotcha. Yeah. So when we take some of these cliches out, what are we left with? What's my elevator pitch? Uh, so let's <laughs> let's start into these elevator pitches. Well, when I thought about it, I was reminded of a book that I read a while ago called The Captain Class. Have you ever heard of this one? Is this a sports reference? This is so yeah, you. It is. It is, it is. I can't I say that sports. I have, dude. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the book basically makes a case for the greatness of greatest teams in sports being due to their captains. Tom Brady on the Patriots is a great example. And I think PMs are a lot like captains on a sports team. They are players like everybody else on the team. Nobody reports to them. Uh, they're not a head coach who holds the vision and they're not the GM that owns or is is responsible for running the team, but they're responsible for pulling the team together and making that vision happen. Those leaders have, have assembled their leaders. The culture of the team comes from them in a lot of ways. And if they bounce, the team is a shell of itself. So the PM is a T is a team captain. That's my pitch. What do you think? What's yours? Okay. I love that. Thank you for teaching me about sports, AJ. It's probably the only thing that's going to make my fiance listen to this podcast. So thanks for that. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's what they tell you in like these PM courses and, you know, what you see on job descriptions. And then there's what you're really signing up for. So here are my three things. One, you are signing up to be a strategic assassin and take this seriously. Like, you are looking at strategy. You're evaluating it. You're building it. You're socializing it. Two, you are required to unlock the talent of your peers. Um, again, no one's reporting to you, right? So you have to bring the best out of all the builders and collaborators that you're working with, designers, engineers. Plug here for episodes three and two, how to work with engineers and designers. Um, and three, 
you are delivering against metrics that are valuable to the success of your business. Do you agree, Ajay? 100%. I think that's such a great kind of elevator pitch for the role. Um, and I think it would help our listens, listeners even more if, um, you know, we detailed out what other PMs, mm -hmm. uh, PM leaders um, hire other PMs against. Oh. Like, what are the things that we're looking for? I think it helps give context for the responsibilities of the job, no? That is such a crazy unlock. Like, what do good PMs look for in other PMs before they agree to pay them a salary? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, here are the main characteristics that I look for when I'm when I'm trying to hire somebody. And I think this from from looking at these, it kind of falls out what those responsibilities are for for product managers in in, in New York. So, okay, one great communicator. You know, you're going to be required as a PM to communicate internally and externally and represent the team on a very regular basis. So you need somebody that can really be a great communicator, but also communicate very complicated topics um, in short amounts of time and, uh, and be very, very good at that, be very effective at that. So I think that's one. Two, um, Great product sense and creativity. You're driving the car. You're the keeper of the keys from a product perspective. And you're constantly making decisions big and small about your product. And that requires great product sense. Like you want to be able to have that in, at your fingertips uh, when you got to make those key decisions. A strong customer and stakeholder empathy. I think this kind of feeds into uh, that product sense piece. It's critical to your success. Um, being in touch with your customers and stakeholders, having that empathy keeps those decisions that you're making moving with the customer in mind and with your stakeholders in mind. And that's really critical. Um, for strong leadership qualities, you're the team captain. So you need strong leadership skills to, well, lead. That's <laughs> and right. so it's really, really critical uh, to have, have those strong leadership qualities. Five, having a track record of execution, I think is really important. You have to ship often and with impact on a regular basis dependably. So if you, uh, you, so you have to be able to execute in situations that are bleak or initially look like failures. I heard a, a great quote that uh, great leadership is demonstrated in the face of failure. It's how you turn a failure into something productive or a success is where leadership comes through. So execute, execute, execute. That's really um, number five, what I look for. And then six, which I think is probably one of the more interesting ones, is having a T-shaped background. Um, most people, yeah, this is a really interesting one. Um, most people would say you need a technical background. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of ways it is important to have a grasp of uh, technology and, and what you can do with it. Um, but I think it's even more important to, to have this sort of T-shaped background. And, and what that means is that you need to be really deep on a specific topic. The more common or sought after, you know, bottom part of the T is usually technical skills, like having a computer science background or engineering background. And then the top part of the T is where you're going wide on different subjects. So typically what people on average want to see is like being really deep on the technical side, but then wider on things like design and and uh, stakeholder relationships and management and things like that. Um, but I found that you can be T-shaped in different areas. Like some of the best product managers that I've seen 
are really deep on things like psychology mm. or behavioral economics. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really useful when you're trying to build features for actual human beings yeah. and not econs or robots. Shout out right. to episode one. We talked about <laughs> that. So, you know, being really deep on that area and then getting wide on things like engineering and design also can be really effective. So I think it's more important to have that have that T-shaped background. We run into it actually recently when looking at candidates, we've seen some that have a deep background on our own companies, you know, internal transfers. And that type of thing is really, really useful. They have deep background on user empathy and um, pricing and data analysis. And that was really great to be deep on that. And then the other things we, we uh, can kind of teach as we go along. So those are the core aspects of product management. Brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Right. Brilliant. Sign me up. Hire me. Hire me. <laughs> we, you're already hired. <laughs> That's right. Never hired. mind. <laughs> um, okay. So those are the core aspects of product management. But each role kind of has like a certain je ne sais quoi, certain, <laughs> something that makes it special. <laughs> you see what I did there? Uh, anybody that's French that's listening to this is just like, what the F? Do you even know what that means? No. And the answer is kind of. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so uh, there's always something about each role or, or certain roles that uh, make it special. So we should talk about unique responsibilities for PM specialties. Ira, you are a pro at this. You want to take us through PM specialties and what to look for? Yes, I do. So maybe there's this moment when you're looking through a job description in the back of your head and you're like, oh, I'm a generalist or am I a specialist? And like, what makes someone special and how is that different? Well, we're going to cover some of the PM specialties and I'm going to draw from my own experience and I'm going to deliver to you real. Okay. So let's go for it. Um, I am a data products PM. Um, which is just an obscure title, you guys, for managing algorithmic so solutions. So it's specialized because you have this added variable of machine learning. Um, and don't worry, don't have to pretend like you love machine learning or know how to build <laughs> models. Um, it's just that machine learning and AI generally have very different product cycles. So you have to be a different kind of product manager. And a data PM basically is there to do a few different things. And, and this is how they're special. So first, you have to be laser focused at translating user problems into data problems. Because remember, your skill is actually harnessing data to get machines to write predictions or solve this problem. And please, you guys, do not do this after drinking a cranberry gin <laughs> mule. It's a, it's fine to do it after, just don't do it during. It takes a lot of cognitive load to translate user problems into data problems, so and vice versa. So please. Bummer, data, man. Yeah, that was my, totally my plan. I'm sorry. That was totally my plan. I crushed your dreams, man. <sighs> you okay. ruined my Sunday night. <laughs> okay, so yeah, what's what's a real life example? Okay. What is a data problem? Well, the most common yeah. problems are like ML problems and those are solved inside search. Um so like one statistic I learned mm -hmm. recently from a, a company we worked with is that in the ML landscape, most machine-based predictions happen in search engines. Uh which makes sense, right? 
yeah, like Google is sending you 50 bazillion results in like 0.1 second. Well, those are predicted and they're ranked by a machine largely. Um, so it makes sense that in this space, you're probably going to be solving search problems, recommendation problems in general. Um, so there's not just like a hamster wheel just spitting no. out search results. Like what's wrong? Oh, that'd be really cute though. Always- I would love that. Could it be a puppy? That's always how I thought it worked. Could be a puppy. <laughs> it right. could be. Could be. Could be. Um, sometimes I wonder, you know, the output of some of these models. Like, who wrote this? Like, it's got to be a fucking hamster. Yeah, it's got to be a hamster. It's got to be hamster. Like walking across a keyboard, just printing shit out. Okay, <laughs> that's what. Yeah, every time you see like a bad recommendation on your Netflix for like, you know, a movie in Tamil when you don't speak Tamil, it's a puppy on the wheel or a hamster. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me get back to it. So when your company objective, for example, is to help users find the most relevant X, like we talked about, like in Netflix, it's like the most relevant movie, um, the most relevant show you're going to watch, data PMs are examining if there is a data set by which that prediction can be made. So in this case, the data set might be like, um, what is Ajay's user uh, view history? And can we use that Mm. to predict what he's going to watch next? And, okay, so you're not doing this. You're not a data scientist. So what the hell are the PMs doing? Well, (laughs) we're training people who don't know anything about machine learning, aka like 90% of stakeholders to understand <laughs> that the model or new feature actually needs testing and training um, and time. Mm. You can't make a machine just make a good prediction without training it. And you can't know if your feature is going to deliver the exact output if you've never played around with that data. So time, training, mm. testing, those are the three things you're really coaching your stakeholders on understanding is a little bit different for this specialty. All right. So what else? It's pretty crazy, right? I mean, I think that's mostly the specialty, at least the data PM specialty. Did we just finish this whole episode? We did. We covered all of product (laughs) management. We sure did. Look at us, homie. We did it big. (laughs) We did it. Well, (laughs) we hope that you all uh, learned what the F product management is and uh, got something great on the episode. Thank you for joining us for happy hour in your sweatpants at product happy hour. If you enjoyed happy hour today, please support us by subscribing or following the show wherever you get your podcasts. Please also rate the show on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram or Woo-hoo. TikTok for clips. It, we're at product happy hour. The hour part is short HR. And please share with your friends and spread the word. The more people at the bar, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.